0: This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind Podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind Podcast. I'm here with Shelly. Hi, Shelly. Hey. It's so good to have you.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here. Um, I so- love Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, why don't you tell us kind of where the whole thing started for you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, first of all, I feel honored to be a guest uh, on the podcast. So your book was the first book I read when I, after I made the decision to stop drinking, um, I read it alongside Alan Carr's uh, The Easy Way to Quit Smoking, and uh, those two books were just super, super instrumental in my recovery, especially during those first few days and weeks. And um, I was a heavy drinker and smoker for over a decade. So um, so to just start from the beginning, uh, I definitely believe that Going back to the very, very beginning is important. Um, I think it's when a lot of our issues start developing or at least the groundwork is kind of laid down for those issues. Um, so from the very beginning, uh, I was born to a mother who struggled with mental illness, especially in her younger years, and a father who was and still is dependent on alcohol. And um, Three months after I was born, my mother had to be admitted into a residential psychiatric facility for a couple weeks. Um, so I was abruptly weaned from her, and you know, that was
0: like postpartum, or
1: yeah, I, I believe that uh, postpartum. Again, it's hard to know what the truth is, but I, I believe that it was probably postpartum that exacerbated a lot of the. Um, mental illnesses that she struggled with, you know, I think it just sort of made everything, put a magnifying glass to everything, mm-hmm. right? Totally. Um, so during those early, very, very early months of my life, my dad took, took care of me, my grandma flew in, my aunt flew in. Um, and again, you know, it's hard to know how traumatic that was for me, but I, I do think it probably got in the way of me bonding With my mom and i think you know uh feeling securely attached to something i i believe that it set the stage for some of my abandonment issues and fears and things like that um so big picture you know you have two people that had a kid who just weren't really emotionally intelligent or available um And I think it's also important to realize that it was the mid 80s and nobody really, nobody really talked a lot about what kids need back then. Uh, So they they didn't know what they didn't know, I guess. Um, Throughout my childhood and adolescence, uh, alcohol was definitely glorified in our household. Um, My parents would have friends over and drink cocktails uh, I don't really remember a time where my dad like didn't have a glass of scotch in his hand. Um, he still celebrates, you know, the cocktail hour with serious vengeance. Um, when I was younger, he was a pretty big golfer. And I think it was a way for him to just escape his wife and family for a while. Golf is like an all day event. So, and it typically ha- you know, as, involved with a lot of drinking as well. So, um, I have memories of like going to the the country club house after my dad was finished with golf and going up to the bar and ordering a, a Shirley Temple and just feeling so cool that I was drinking with dad and all his friends, you know, I was probably like five years old. Um, fast forward to like ages seven through nine, we would go on beach vacation. My dad was giving me and my little girlfriends, uh, according to him, they were virgin daiquiris, but I I don't, honestly, I don't remember, but I just remember drinking was always cool. Um, when I was a teenager, he would buy me and my girlfriends like natural ice, or natural light, which is like super shitty cheap beer. Um, and, and that was just normal. And Mm -hmm. so drinking from a very, very young age was, it was just always cool, and it was really one of the only ways to bond with my dad, which is really what I wanted to do. drinking and smoking were really the only things that that I, I could get his attention to do, I guess.
0: Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense for sure.
1: Yeah. Um. So, fast forward to my my late- and were
0: your peers like really confirming this, or was it sort of like it was just a lot of a family thing?
1: Oh, uh, well, well, yeah, I mean, it was definitely friends to, I mean, gosh, we would, I think the first time I got drunk was with, she's still my best friend to this day, we were 13 years old, and we stole my mom's vodka, and filled it up with water, and yeah, so it was definitely, a, I was definitely hanging out, I always hung out with the, the bad kids, you know, and um, we, yeah, drinking was always a thing. Pretty much until very recently. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's awesome. Um,
1: that's- so fast forward into late teens, early twenties. I go off to college. Um, it was uh, it's a beach town in South Carolina. I had sort of a double life for those four years. Um, I earned my degree in psychology. I was a really good student during the week. On first name basis with my professors, and you know just a pretty big nerd at school, um, on the weekend, I was going to a regular bar and just getting blackout drunk uh, every friday and saturdays that's what that's what we were doing. Um, this came with a lot of promiscuous behaviors too um, with the exception of one relationship in college, I was pretty much drinking and, and sleeping my way through our relatively small friend group. <laughs> Um, especially towards the end there. I was definitely dependent on alcohol and nicotine and I was starting to become dependent on men too, the attention from guys. Um, during undergrad, I was arrested twice. Uh, I spent two nights in jail, uh, six months with any, within each other. Um, I was under 21, so I got off fairly easy. Of course, my dad bailed me out. Um. And again, like it was never posed, like, "Hey, maybe you should stop drinking." It was, "Oh, you should, you should definitely be smarter when you're drinking." Mm. So it wasn't even even on the radar to quit.
0: Um, Was it arrested for drinking specifically? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Sorry. Yeah, one was uh, one was public intox, and the other one was like a careless operation. I was in a parking lot uh, about to. About to leave, and I, I guess since it was private property, they couldn't chart I don't honestly, I don't remember, but I know I got out of it somehow. Um, yeah,
0: that makes so, sense.
1: Um, so when I graduated from undergrad, I moved to Chicago. It was guised as me going off to grad school, which I, I did, I attended grad school, but the reason I actually went is for a boy. Uh, I followed a guy who, you know, I thought would be the answer to all my problems and again, just like totally love addicted and um, it didn't end up working out, but we remained pretty close friends. Um, I had a fairly healthy relationship while I was in Chicago for a couple of years, um, but this is, at, we, he was ready for things that I just wasn't ready for. So we ended up splitting up. Um, and this is when my drinking kind of took on a new form once I was living alone. So I was living all by myself in Chicago and living all by myself for the first time too. So, um, and my coworkers and I would go out for drinks after work. So this was like the first time I was drinking during the week as well. And, and, um, so going out for like little strong liquor drinks after work. And for whatever reason, I have this super vivid memory of, you know, I, I probably had like three or four strong drinks, stumble onto the train, get off at my stop. And then I went to the corner store and I picked up more beer and more cigarettes. And I remember just thinking like at the register, like, why am I doing this? Like, why do I need more beer? You know, because I had already drank. I was already social with people. I should just go home and go to bed, you know, and so thing, this is things are just starting to develop as far as my my drinking and self medicating and things like that. Um, so uh, after, I guess the next big thing that happened for me is when I was 25. Um, I had a really bad accident at a friend's house. It was the summer. Um, the person I was dating at the time, we were with a group of friends at a background barbecue and I had been drinking beer for most of the day. Uh, by the time night came, I was pretty loaded. Um, I decided to climb the cinder block wall that was in her backyard. And at the time I just felt like that was a perfectly fine idea. Uh, and it was about a nine, nine foot cinder block wall. And, the, once I got up there, the wall crumbled and I was, I was very, very intoxicated. I fell in a very weird way and it actually ended up shattering my C1 vertebrae. Yeah. Uh, came like an eighth of an inch away from severing my my entire spinal cord. So it could have easily killed me or left me paralyzed. Um, it was a big, it was a big deal. (laughs) Uh, my dad, flew up to Ch- my dad flew up to Chicago to fly me back home to take care of me, um, take care of me. I put that in quotes. The whole thing was kind of a shit show back at my dad's house and with my stepmom there. Um, my dad was stressed over the situation. He was drinking probably a little bit more than usual. My stepmom's a heavy drinker. She was drinking like bowls of wine, like those huge wine glasses, you know, and Um, just kind of acting like a three-year-old because I was getting all this attention from my dad. And so I could only really stay there for probably four weeks. And then I was back on a plane to Chicago. So I went back to work after six weeks after that accident, um, neck brace and all. And here enters my like drinking home alone. So instead of going out to bars, now I'm drinking at home because nobody wants a girl at a bar with a neck brace you know and um I remember getting like those tall boy PBRs a six pack of those which is probably the equivalent of like 10 beers I remember drinking one of those every night on my porch and just just zoning out um at that point most of the people that I were I was friends with decided that I really wasn't that fun to be around anymore um I mean, if I wasn't at work, I was either hungover or drunk, so, and with that just comes with a lot of, like, inappropriate behaviors and just all sorts of stuff, so I really don't blame them in hindsight, but um, again, you know, I had a group of friends that left me. I had a boyfriend that left me. I was, one of those friends was my roommate, so I had to find a a house. uh, I had to find a living situation, so moved out on my own again, so there's a pattern here of, you know alcohol is getting me in trouble and I'm losing things and so I'm I'm running away to something else
0: (laughs) um
1: and and it was just a, a pretty dark dark time I did eventually get out of Chicago um and I would move over the next three years I would move three more times similar type situations you know establishing a somewhat of a home base maybe a relationship Drinking too much, screwing it up, and then running away, just over and over and over again. Um, I met my current partner uh, towards the end of 2016, and it started out as a rebound. Um, I honestly, the relationship was set up to fail from the beginning, and, and it's really, I just got super lucky that he ended up being a, a very special person, and, and we're still together. So. Um, but he, you know, he really shown a, a limelight to my behavior because he wasn't a big drinker. So I was drinking and I was starting to like lie about it. I was starting to hide bottles and sneak around. And I, I had never had to do that before because I always dated men that were just as bad or were or worse than I was, right? So now I'm lying and I'm trying trying to the whole moderation thing, which is just torture for me I mean I was spending the week obsessing about when I could drink and then on the weekend I was drinking like anywhere from like two to four bottles of wine a night feeling like absolute garbage probably until like Wednesday into the next week because you know as we age we don't uh, recover as gracefully from, from the hangovers but um the last the last time I drank It was October 27th, 2017. Um, it's amazing. (laughs) Not that I'm counting or anything, no. Um, (laughs) uh, I had a complete mental breakdown. I I don't remember really any of it. I think I had had drank about four bottles of wine that night and um, broke my phone, said a lot of mean things to my boyfriend. I mean, it was just a really bad, bad night. And I remember waking up Um, and you know, my partner was just devastated. I mean, I could just tell like this was it, you know, and, and I knew, I mean, I was 32 years old. My life was just the same story on repeat over and over and over again. And I just knew that if I don't, if I don't take alcohol out of my life, like I'm going to lose everything. come so close to losing everything so many times like I'm just lucky to be here and um so I quit and I don't know how I did it I was so I was so scared I mean I remember asking myself questions like how am I going to clean my house you know like I used to drink wine when I was doing chores like it was just it was so ingrained in everything that I did and I was just absolutely terrified (laughs) but
0: um so how are those first few days
1: oh my god uh it was literally just you know I had I had not gotten to the point where I was like waking up and drinking I have a I have a I've always kept a job um I've always been successful at work and um so I could get through the day pretty okay um it's when I got home I had to be super super intentional I did uh so when I when I quit drinking, I also decided to do the whole 30 uh, meal plan thing. So for the first month, I was super obsessed with food as well. So I think that helped. It was hard. Don't get me wrong. But I think it helped in a way because it wasn't just the alcohol. But I mean, the first few days are really for me, it was like the first six months were really hard and really and you just feel all your feelings. I wasn't used to sitting with uncomfortable feelings. Um, and it's a lot of that, right? So,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, but here we are uh, almost, well, I guess a year and a half or later. And,
0: uh, so how did, how did your partner react?
1: To me quitting? Uh, I think it well I don't want to put words in his mouth but I I suspect that he was a little wary at first like is this really gonna gonna last you know so it really was kind of getting by day by day with him too I had disappointed him for the amount of time that we had been together I had disappointed him a lot you know so I knew that it was gonna take uh time to heal that but now i mean he's my he's my biggest fan and and uh yeah we're
0: was it hard for him to even believe at first is that kind of the crux of it
1: like hard for him to believe that i was gonna stop yeah yeah totally i remember we we would get in fights a lot towards the beginning because again i mean i was i was a mess i was a mess either way But I was, I was, I was a mess while drinking, but I was a mess during this first six months too. Um, and we would get in fights and I would leave the house and he would be like, he would call me and be like, where are you? Are you at the bar? You know? And I'd be like walking around Walmart or something. So yeah, there definitely was like a lack of trust there at the beginning, which I mean, I don't blame him, you know?
0: Yep. Um, and then what about your friends?
1: Yeah, so that's interesting, um, because I read your book, so I was, you know, I was prepared for people to get defensive and things like that, uh, my friends, you know, they, I don't have a lot of friends where I live now, so uh, we live in rural Iowa, um, we moved here, I was, I got offered a job here, so that's why we came here. And it's really peaceful, beautiful, but it's kind of isolated. I don't have a lot of close friends here. So my, my main group of friends are back home and they've all been like my cheerleaders too. So they're, I think at, very, at the very first, they they're a little like, oh, well, you don't really have to stop. Do you? I mean, why don't you just cut, cut down? And, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, I can't. Like, I'm more miserable doing that than if I just took it off the table completely. I think over time... It would just be, my life would be so much more simple, you know. Um, so my my close friends were very supportive. Uh, I remember in the beginning, the only two people that, I guess, kind of triggered an emotional response for me about this was were, was my mother and my sister, which is funny because they, you know, I would think that they would be totally supportive, not more than my friends, but um I remember my mom made some comment like, first of all, she told me how like one drink a night is healthy, but um, since I can't do that, then it's okay that I quit drinking. So the way she worded it was like, I'm a weak person because I can't just have one drink like she does. And I don't think she intended to hurt my feelings, but I was in such a fragile, I mean, this was like weeks after I stopped. So I was in such a, a fragile place. I mean, I had to, I was driving, I had to pull over on the side of the road and I just wept, you know, because I just felt like, God, my mom can't recognize that this actually takes strength, not weakness, right? Right. <laughs> uh, and, and there was an issue with my sister. I, I posted this picture on Instagram after I was during my first work trip which was like a significant thing because work trips, you know, when you guys go out to eat, we all have cocktails, right? And so the first work trip was a big deal for me. And it was in um, Pasadena, California. I was there surrounded by bars and restaurants. And of course, all my coworkers want to go drink beer or whatever. And um, I looked across the street and there was a, a lush store, which they sell like all those bath bombs and things. So I was like, I'm going to go get bath bombs and take a bath. Like, I'm not going to go to cocktail hour. Right. Awesome. Uh, and so I posted this goofy picture of the bath bombs and, and my sister had commented like, well, a bottle of wine's cheaper. And so like I, at the beginning, I let things like that really hurt me, which I don't know if, you know, I, again, I think it was just where I was at, but yeah. So long long answer to your question. Uh I was surprised at who I was surprised at how some people reacted like family compared to friends, but
0: Did um just out of curiosity, does your mom really only drink one drink a night?
1: Uh well, I don't know. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, she she lives in South Carolina. I live in Iowa. She actually just retired. So it would not surprise me if if she's pouring her glass of Chardonnay a little earlier, but, you know, I don't know. Um, You know, I know people tend to lie about the amount of alcohol they drink, and so I don't know.
0: It's interesting because I think people tend to especially lie to themselves, and I know that that was really true for me. Um, You know, I remember saying so many times before I really came to terms with how much I was drinking, like, oh, yeah, I mean, I like it, but I don't drink that much. And I was always comparing myself to someone in my mind. There's always somebody who's drinking more than you. (laughs) Didn't matter that he was 280 pounds and six foot four, but like, (laughs) you know, I'm not drinking that much, whatever the case is. And I I feel like that's just so true. And I started to notice it in the early days, um, definitely the first year of people, they really wanted to talk about it and they really wanted to tell me how they didn't drink that much. And then it would be funny because whatever event we were at, maybe it was like a barbecue or you know, whatever, I'd watch them not drink that much, proceed to to drink quite a bit. And I was like, huh. So is this just an eight? And at first I was like, this is just an atypical night, I guess, because my instinct was to believe that they didn't drink that much because they're telling you it was such a compelling, like they believe it. And then eventually I kind of unraveled it and I realized that like, oh wait they do believe it like nobody's intentionally lying about how much they drink. It's just one of the aspects of alcohol that I really believed that, you know, in those moments, like, Oh yeah, I don't really drink that much. Um, And then now looking back on it, I was like, no, you know, I, I started buying the boxes instead of the bottles to, confirm in my mind that I wasn't really drinking that much because I didn't want to see that one bottle was dusted and I'm onto oh, my second
1: I did the same exact thing oh my god that's funny yep and <laughs> like the feeling the feeling you got when it was empty you're like
0: I'm like No. <laughs> and then it's such a drama. Cause it's like, am I really going to be that person and open the next bottle or am I going to sit here and pout about it? Yeah. So like, Get it buy the boxes cheaper anyway. And then you just don't know. And then when you're going through a box every other day and that's four bottles and it's oh like, God. Oh,
1: that's yeah, interesting. It's terrible.
0: But, um, it was, re- it's really interesting to watch because I have so many friends who are like, Oh yeah, but, but alcohol is not my issue. I don't drink that much. And then I proceed to just out of curiosity you know, trying not to be judgmental, but just watch and be like, huh, that's interesting. Every time I've seen you socially, you've drank more than two or three. And so, and I I also think that one of the things that was really eye-opening was how much are the guidelines. So the guidelines in America of how much is like not excessive under the excessive drinking threshold. Uh, Excessive drinking is basically eight drinks a week for women. So just barely more than one a day. Is excessive drinking. And to, to look at that and, and that's, you know, now they're saying they need to be brought down because that amount is actually not, you know, healthy. And so to look at that and say, wow, that was, I mean, I was so far over eight drinks a week. There was probably some days where I was like eight drinks an afternoon. And so, yeah, it's just so fascinating how our perception and it's It's not really our fault. It's just like, it is literally a defense mechanism inside our brain to help to protect ourselves from the knowledge that we might be drinking too much or more than is healthy. And we don't know how to stop without a lot of pain. So the brain wants to do two things, you know, very desperately. The brain wants to confirm that you're right. (laughs) So it's going to look for all the evidence that you're right. So if you wake up and you're like, oh, it's such a crappy day, all day long, your brain's going to look for evidence to prove it's a crappy day. If you're saying, Oh, I just don't drink too much all day long. Your brain's going to look for the places where that person's drinking more. or At least I'm not passed out on the couch like that girl. Like, yeah. so it's just trying to confirm that you're right. And the other thing the brain wants to do is protect you from pain and the awareness and reality of like, wow, I am drinking well over the guidelines. I am drinking excessively. I, it's painful. And by the way, not, you know, what we've made stopping drinking mean as a society is painful um so like your brain's obviously going to try to protect you from that and it's just so interesting how that cycle happens so it's it's fascinating to watch and i mean it sounds like you've come a really long way though in terms of yeah those first things really triggered you and you were frustrated but now you can you know has somebody said something to you recently and and you've been able to handle it a different way internally Uh
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, whenever we, so we, we do have, I wouldn't say a close group of friends or anything, but we do have a couple couples that we'll go out to dinner with. And and I've had to just come out and say like, hey, I don't drink because it was, oh, come on, have a beer. Come on, have a beer. And it, at first it was, oh, I'm just not drinking tonight. But finally I was like, no, you don't understand. Like I don't drink. So I'm fine. I'm fine with, with telling people now. I haven't really had any, any, awkward reactions to it uh, lately and and again I think because where I am on the map uh, I'm pretty secluded so I'm not really exposed to like there's I'm not going to a lot of of events or anything you know Um, and you know there's a good chance my mother and my sister will listen to this and I just want to just I just want to confirm that I I really believe that those situations upset me so much because of where I was at. I, I love my mother and I love my sister. <laughs> it was
0: yeah, just, uh, It's just, absolutely all internal to us, you know, yeah, I, mean, I, just, I know connection. they're going to
1: listen to this because I'm so <laughs> excited about talking to you and I just don't want them to think I'm bashing them online or anything. It was just, it was just hard to hear some things, you know?
0: And I think that's really, it's just so true. It's such a good, it's such a good thing for everything in life. You know, we're all just speaking from our own kind of perspective or our own point of view and, you know, not having like, there's obviously no awareness at all of like, we don't ever mean to, to hurt or cause pain for somebody else in saying something. In fact, we often think we're helping, you know, I mean, I definitely thought I was helping when somebody was having a hard time I'd be like, well, let's just get some wine. (laughs) Like Like, absolutely from the bottom of my heart, because we're doing the best we can with the tools we have. And for me, the tool I had was, you know, alcohol, like that's the tool that had been really sold to me is like, this is the solution, right? This is, this is going to help me get through, you know, the craziness of my day and evening and de-stress and do all these other things. And so we just, we really are, I mean, we're doing the best we can with the tools we have. What we have, yeah. That's so cool. Well, um, I always ask sort of at the end, you know, if you're going to go back in time and talk to, talk to Shelly about um, what life is like now and kind of just give her some perspective or some advice, what would you tell her?
1: Um, gosh, I mean, it depends on the age, I guess. But, you know, when I was at my personal kind of rock bottom with alcohol, I would, I would like to sit with her and tell her that, like, life can be so different, and I always had, I was just getting by day by day, so everything in my life has just gotten better. I, I'm better at my job. I have better concentration. I sleep better. I, I have hobbies. Like, I didn't really have hobbies. You know, I just drank all the time, and um, so I would just want to sit with her and be like, you know, you can have really good full days and you can just enjoy your life and it's not anything spectacular you know I'm not like jumping off a I'm not like bungee jumping every weekend or anything but uh, just tell her that you know you can have really good full days and and it it will get better you know I I don't know I know that sounds cheesy but I always felt so trapped and so uninteresting like I remember feeling like I was just so uninteresting because all I did was work and drink and embarrass the crap out of myself, like on a, on a good night. So.
0: <laughs> so I had that big moment in my life of just realizing that everything feels the same drunk. Like you could be at a football game or you could be on a home at the couch or you could be New Year's Eve and like it all just felt the same. And after I stopped drinking, I was like, wow, things feel so different. I'm not yeah. just in kind of this drunk emotion all the time. <laughs> Yeah. Which isn't really an emotion, but it felt like an emotion almost. And it was like, I was just looking for that, you know, that like lack of clarity and just like the fuzziness and just not wanting to be really present. But like that feeling felt the same. It was very homogenous. It was very uninteresting ultimately in hindsight, but I yeah. didn't really see it in the moment. And, you know, I think, I
1: think drinking is a small piece to like, or quitting drinking was a small piece to, to to. Up- a much larger puzzle, you know, because it just, it was the catalyst for getting into therapy, um, addressing, you know, some mental health issues that I have, like it was just the the trigger that spawned all this other, I guess you call it personal development type work, right? And so it's much more than just not drinking, uh, but I couldn't have done any of this or have the life that I have today if I continued to drink. I know that
0: with all my heart so so cool so interesting well that's so great well thank you so much Shelly for coming on and sharing your story and you know giving us some that
1: was great thanks for having me
0: no it's it's awesome well I really appreciate it and I hope you just have such a good day
1: all right thanks Annie
0: okay bye Did you miss This Naked Mind Live? (laughs) And do you maybe have a little bit of FOMO? But don't worry, I've got you covered. In fact, I had the entire event professionally recorded and it's available digitally. Transformation in your living room. Yep, that is what it's all about. You can grab your digital ticket at thisnakedmind.com forward slash digital ticket. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.